Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a doggone show about weirdos, apparently. Joining me, the best man. Aaron Joseph Pita. Apparently. The best man. The mm-hmm. best one. Period. Mm-hmm. Second to none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Except yeah. maybe one. No, 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 no. Except, oh, oh no, no, There's no. a guy over here who may be the key grip. <laughs> <laughs> do have a good, I do have a good grip. <laughs> yeah. The key bump grip. <laughs> hey, hey, Mr. El Chapo chop himself. It up. Try it out. Matthew Brousseau. Hi. How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, did you happen to notice in the Discord uh, discussion uh, forum that uh, our our listener and friend Donna was, she pointed out, it's Pablo Escobar. <laughs> and Escobar. Esco, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, Pablo. Wow. And Aaron pointed out a long time ago at, at, at a trim, it's, it's, it's El Chapo. Yes. How f- the could... chop is, yes. is present. He, he, El El Chapo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one who chops. Right, right. Pablo Escobar. Raw blow. Ah, yes, yes. Right. Raw blow. Raw blow. Raw blow. Oh, that unstepped on blow. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's blowing raw. This blows raw, dude. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. Why do things work out that way? Because there is a god. The only <laughs> the only couple of names associated with massive cocaine trafficking. Oh, El Chapo, Pablo Escobar. Uh, it's great. And the bear, his namesake. Um, guys, uh, it's 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 uh, we're we're coming up on fifty episodes. Wow, wow. Uh, I'm gonna just tell you right up and uh, right up and now we're doing Richard Milhouse Nixon for episode fifty. Hey, Milhouse! Very, very mm-hmm. excited about that. Tricky Dick. Um, I love The Simpsons. Yes, hey, I yes. don't. I don't. I, I, I do wonder about the character Millhouse. Though I'm like, was that just straight? Let's. What about this name Millhouse? Why? I, th- is, I, I think so. I don't. It remember. would have I, to be. I remember reading all of that at some point. Presumably, huh? Um, but we're, we're all going to get into that at a later date. Uh, today's going to be a little bit of a potpourri. Oh, yes, yeah, a little, little bit of a sampling, I'm afraid. Uh, 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 bit odds of, and ends, if yeah, you will. Yeah, 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 general yeah. ephemera sort of thing. Um, Matt has uh, divulged nothing. He will be leading us into. No, he's a fucking. He's a safe. He's a <laughs> yeah, Halliburton yeah, yeah. suitcase. Hide keeps me in it, your basement. Keeps it locked up real mm-hmm. tight. Keep him in your pizza gate. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, Sarah, yeah, I got to, I got tonight's pizza from Comet Pizza. Yeah. Mm. The only Delicious. thing uh, <laughs> that you told me is that uh, has to do with homose- homosexuality. Yes. Yes. Homosexuals. Yes. <laughs> Buggery. Well. <laughs> no. <laughs> something a little bit different. But now ex- something different. Eccentricity of a sort. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Historically. I love that. Uh-huh. And it has to do with um, presumably copulation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, get, we'll get into that. Yes, yes. I hope it gets into me as well. Are we going to do this the whole episode now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 a couple of old, uh, old good old boys who have been around the block, as it were, listening a little bit about a hom- homosexuality. <laughs> 
Break out the cocaine, boys. Uh, Call me Pablo. What do you think these wigs are powdered with? Why do you think we're always shitting everywhere? It's a good point. It's a bit Yes, yes, yes. Ready to go, Matt. All right. Well, I'll start this one off. Uh, I'll just say it's about Gentleman Jack. Oh. Uh, double mellowed for exceptional smoothness, inspired by the original Gentleman Distiller and founder. Gentleman Jack undergoes a second charcoal mellowing to achieve <laughs> exceptional smoothness. His balanced flavor is perfect for celebrating life's extraordinary occasions, plus all the moments along the way. And uh, I'll be honest... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the 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 whiskey. That's the that's the whiskey. Are, uh, are we sponsored by Gentleman? I mean, might as well be. I read that fucking perfectly. Uh, fuck that whiskey. That whiskey sucks. I meant to bring in some Johnny Walker that we could all toast. Yeah, uh, but I completely forgot to. In these five minutes we've been setting up here. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Fuck that. I want to talk about Ann Lister. Okay. Born 1791 in Halifax, oh. the town in West Yorkshire, the county. She was born to uh, James Lister. He was a uh, foot soldier in the British, British infantry. The Regiment of Foot, they called it, because they oh. have a fun way with words. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the foot, foot soldier the foot from soldiers, the Ninja yeah. Turtles. The Regiment of Foot. Uh, he was a man, he, he was in the British Army. He was wounded at Concord in 1775. Huh. And he was a, he kept a diary while he was there. It was actually published. They published the diary under the wildly creative title, The Concord Fight, being so much of the narrative of Ensign Jeremy Lister of the 10th Regiment of Foot as pertains to his services on the 19th of April, 1775, and to his experiences in Boston during the early months of the siege. Oh, those rascally Americans. Yeah. Uh, they had a lot of ink for titles back then. I oh, guess. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, shit. I, well, words are cheap. I guess if brevity <laughs> is the soul of wit, I guess these Yanks had none. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's a British publication. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That too. <laughs> so uh, the Listers, uh, the, they owned uh, this place called Shibden Hall in Halifax. It dates back to 1420. Huh. Yeah, and they owned what? it. Uh, yeah, 1420. There's this hall. Long room. time. Yeah. Uh, they owned it in 1619. They're the Lister Lions for everybody keeping track at home. And various members of the family would live there. They would stay there as they passed through or for months on end. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the el- the ownership of it would fall to the elder, elder uh, the the oldest man of the family. Ah, the elder Lister, as it were. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, and her father. Mr. Lister, as it were. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, James Lister was a, he was a struggling businessman of sorts, but Anne, she was the second child of the family. Uh, her older brother was born in 1789. He died a year later. Oh. She was born in 1791, the second child of the family. She would have one more sister and three more brothers, and all of the boys would die young. Only the women would live. <laughs> mm-hmm. Destiny, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> And when she was 13 in 1804, she went off to boarding school, and that's where she. The spreading of the wine, Fred. 
it, it's late while we're recording this. I should add that. Yeah, it's it's, it's 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, we were working for like 50 hours and three days. Yes. Uh, here we go. Here we it's go. amazing. I thank you for coming. Mr. Lister, she goes to boarding uh-huh. school. Boarding her school. Nickname. She's 13. She goes to boarding school. She meets her roommate, this uh, woman named, uh, uh, or a girl at the point, Eliza Rain, who's a daughter of a surgeon from the... Uh, 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 the uh, East India uh, it was a British regiment in in India, mm-hmm. oh. and uh, they uh, they shared an attic space in the boarding school, and uh, they explored their sexuality. Non-binary bread. She's poly. She's bi. <laughs> <laughs> gender queer. Gender neutral. And Eliza was Anne's uh, first love, and they would uh, they had a great time together. They exchanged letters, and then Anne Anne was. Uh, uh, she was whipped every day. She says at the school that she was whipped because she was Lord. she was not by a good... her girlfriend. No, no, she was by, by the headmaster. She was not a good kid. She was kicked Ooh. out after two years. Uh, she didn't submit well to authority. She says she was too often caught staring at other girls. That's Aww. one of the reasons why they whipped her. Yeah, because she didn't have enough of a phallus appetite. Well, it's one of those things. Good God. And uh, But yeah, after she got kicked out, her and Eliza would continue writing letters. And then one day, uh, one of her letters was confiscated and Eliza got in trouble uh, because uh, they were uh, they were kind of love letters at times. Mm. And mm. so Anne, uh, after this, Anne and Eliza, they devised an encrypted writing system mm. that Anne uh, would use the rest of her life. It was a mix of Greek and algebra. Oh. And uh, it was uh, what? Yes, and no one. Oh, how romantic! And at the time, no one was able to decipher it. Got to do. Yeah, some, I mean, if uh, you, you can crack it, you got to mm-hmm. do some math to read. You. Oh, gross. but I mean, once, we're breaking up. But once you have, once you have the code, I mean, you can say yeah. the nastiest shit on earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you like, know? if it's really nasty, it is in code. Yes. I don't think so. I think it's rather... Yeah, the way, rather, I, the way I do it rather is... Rather blatant. Stay tuned, lads. We will yes. We will oh, answer this uh, bet later. Are there... Is there... I don't know, Aaron. Gonna re- I don't know. I'm not Who's there to say? yet. Oh, I Who's love, to say? I love letters. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? So, uh, uh, you know, so uh, uh, Anne, much like her father, she was a prolific uh, diarist. She wrote everything down. She wrote things on scraps of paper until about 1816 when she, she actually uh, had uh, uh, bound books that she would write it in. But, you know, here's an example of this. This is 1808. She writes, drank tea at Mr. A's. Uh, she was hanging out with Eliza and Miss Alexander. Drank tea at Mr. A's and supped also. After tea, at Eliza's instigation, I had uh, I had Miss Anne and hung out with her. I love supping. Mm-hmm. They I supped. love to sup. In uh, 1810, she meets Isabella Northcliffe, who she would, describe, who she, uh, would call Tib mm. in her diary. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. But apparently that's some sort of Some sort of algebraic expression. Yeah. They became close friends, and uh, and uh, they would uh, become uh, uh, lovers of sorts. And and uh, uh, though later Anne would distance herself from Isabella for for two reasons, which we may get into at some point. Okay. In 1812, though, Isabella introduces her to uh, Mariana Belcombe, and uh, Mariana and Anne then became inseparable. Mm. And they explored themselves and, and learned about who they were together. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, at one point, they exchanged rings as a, as a token of uh, wow. uh, uh, you know, an, uh, a wedding of sorts. Right. Oh, that's serious, mm-hmm. huh? Hmm. Not like a promise ring, like a you're fleeting. I mean, it was a promise of sorts, kind of like uh, we. When the time comes, we will. That come on, this is pretty serious. It's getting How very old is she serious. at this point? So eighteen. Uh, uh, so she's about uh, around twenty years old at Eight, this point. Nice, middle age. Uh huh. Uh, Eighteen thirteen, though, her remaining brother Jeremy dies while swimming. You know that. 
That old, old these fellas, yep. these guys, these fellas, the, they don't make it. No, no, they're swimming. They're they weak. Don't. They don't. Yeah, they're yeah. Weak. And I'll tell you what they're doing is they're not chasing down the hot ladies like the, the like ladies. Anne. Like mm-hmm. Anne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Anne is. Mm-hmm. Anne's tearing it up. She's making up for all those dead brothers. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what happens is. <clears throat> That's unrelated to the story. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, after, not after what she was eating. <laughs> They're 1815, so, so Jeremy dies, and he's the last uh, official lister uh, you know, of the father. Uh, so, so now Anne is in line to inherit Shibden Hall. Ah, mm. uh, this this uh, mighty hall. Which in, has been in, in the Halifax. family since the 1400s. Six, 1600s. 1600s. Yes. And uh, so in 1815, she moves permanently to Shibden Hall. Her uncle and her aunt are living and working there, and they're running it, and she's allowed an allowance. So the, the hall at this point is, it's, has apartments and it has farms, mm. and so it, who, the owners of the hall, they make money from the apartments and from the farms. Right. And so Anne is given an allowance, and um, she's exploring who she is, and she walks around the town, and she has kind of a masculine uh, look to her. Hmm. And uh, she walks around the town in, in all black and um, in a gown, but also uh, with a, a manly cut to it. Mm. And to the point where Mariana was embarrassed to be seen with her because uh, uh, some men would, uh, would, would heckle them. Mm. Mm. And so uh, at this point, the townspeople started calling her Gentleman Jack. In oh, Halifax. right. Mm-hmm. But she's, uh, she's industrious. She teaches flute. She travels, she goes to Paris, she's learning more Greek and other languages, she's expanding her mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also kind of a classist. They were uh, old money in Halifax, and uh, she, uh, much like people back then, she uh, looked down upon the new money folks. Of course. Really? Yes, but she needed a social circle, so she still uh, befriended them when possible and and talked Mm. shitty about them when they were not around. You're kidding. Typical. Typical. So she is uh, completely... um, not open to new money. Right. Yet she is a bit of a homosexual, which is something of a different thing to be at the time. Yes, yeah, class doesn't, uh, yeah. The, yeah, they still don't it get it, do they? Yeah, no, I'm, a, it I'm a homosexual woman who dresses uh, yes, but a, bit, a bit like a man, but I'll be goddamned if you call me a nouveau riche. Yes, I, I'm not some kind of Bill Gates. Or yeah. I, may, I may dress like Steve Jobs, but I, I can assure you I've had my money much longer. <laughs> It's, 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 it's more of a Rockefeller than a, a Rocker Lady, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. But, but yeah, like it's just like you're still hung up on this. It's like it's it, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, how do you? How is this perspective? Not how do you sleep at night, lady? How mm. is it not enlightening? It's like when when you meet gay racist people, yeah. and you're yes, like, but, yes. but, 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 right? You don't. Uh, and the privilege. Like, the privilege is you're born into the privilege, and and how do you escape that? Right. You know, she she was a big fan of Rousseau, and she read many philosophers. She was a big fan of the Rousseau quote uh, uh, from his his Confessions: uh, "Je sens mon cœur et je connais les hommes." Mm-hmm. Uh, je ne suis fait comme aucun de ceux que je vais, j'ai vu. Uh, which is to say, I know my own heart, and I know those men, and I am not like them. And that is gay algebra lesbian, right? In essence, for her. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Yes. We. Oui. Not Jimmy or Matt. <laughs> 
Brousseau. Mm. <laughs> in 1818, though, uh, her love, uh, Mariana, uh, looking, she, she, she needs uh, money. And as, uh, the t- tough part for women uh, back then is uh, when you don't have money, what do you do? I mean, it's, it's the trick men pull. Be like, well, uh, you got to marry a dude now yeah. in order right. to survive. They're the, they're the ones with the money. Right. Yeah. So Mariana marries this man named Charles Lawton. He was a soldier of sorts, and he had uh, plenty of money. Uh, though she and Anne continued to fool around behind his back. He was watching. And uh, it, it, he, he may have intercepted some of their letters and, and gotten the understanding, and that's probably why he didn't, let them, he didn't want them to hang out very much. Right. But uh, so her and, her and Anne are hanging around Halifax, and they become the talk of the town in, in that scandalous way. But then in 1826, her aunt dies, and her uncle had died a few years before, and now she inherits Shibden Hall, and she's, she's the chief. She's the chief of it. And uh, so she, she writes about all of this time. She writes in her diaries, uh, there's, there's the cryptic parts, but the non-cryptic parts are very, if you want to understand what life was like back then, it's, I went here, I bought this stuff, I went here. I, she supped. She yeah, supped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, she's a prolific diarist. She write over four million words over her life. God, fucking get a job. <laughs> well, her job was running. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, yes. What is my job? Writing about the things I do all day, which is mainly writing. Well, I mean, the, 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 yeah, the idea. Dear diary, today I wrote in my diary. Right, right. But, I mean, now we live in the day where the diary is public, so it's like a whole yeah. different thing, so we kind of are more mm-hmm. annoyed by it. But back in the day, you know, the diary was one of these things that uh, was thought to be a, a lasting Yes. Uh, yeah. Thing of, of it's of, a good practice. Yeah, obviously like, subjective truth, but you know, a diary can be very illuminating. Yeah. And you would you would write a diary hoping, especially if you were an outsider, an outlier, it's and you would the be like Snapchat story of the day. Yes. But you know, it might not be appreciated till centuries later. Yeah. You know. Uh, so there was nobility in the diary even though it seems navel gazing and indulgent to to guys like you and me like ah shut up and yeah. and farm right <laughs> well I, I mean i Get think down there and sup on that lady's naughty bits <laughs> i think today the problem is that a diary is it's posted public. daily yeah. publicly when if you wrote if you went home and wrote it privately uh, maybe you would have a better sense of who you were as opposed to when you put it out there immediately. Now you're right. You're shaping yourself for And presumably right. the idea is that nobody's ever going to care about your diary, and so it only serves to make you learn about yourself right. and your perspectives. And they'll read it when you're dead and you won't care. Right. You maybe right. will haunt them. Now, as a po- back then it was something for self-examination, and now it's something for self-exposition. Um, yes. yes. That's, or a good, that's a good way of yes. putting it. Uh, and so, uh, in 1826, she, uh, she also goes, she, she travels to Paris, and she meets a woman named Maria Barlow, uh, and, uh, she, um, uh, uh, uh she, uh, becomes, oh, no, I'm sorry, Maria Barlow, Mariana Barlow was the person she was with. She ends her love with her, and she meets this older woman in Paris, and she has a tryst with her, mm. and, uh, and she, she understands now, she, what she's looking for is a rich woman who she can basically become a partner with right and then sustain her life because she doesn't want a man right, right. yeah and she, she respects wants... the class system so she has mm-hmm. to be rich and right. come from those circumstances right okay so and, and then uh, years go by 1832 uh, she she's uh, almost uh, she's 41 now and she meets a woman named Anne Walker who is in Halifax and uh, while they don't exactly fall in love necessarily they become uh, close partners and uh, Ann Walker has plenty of money, and um, 
and and using Ann Walker's money and Lister then starts building around Shibden Hall. She she uh, rebuilds all of the the walkways. They add a Gothic tower. They add waterfalls. They add all these this grass. And uh, they beautify the area, basically. Mm-hmm. And then in 1834, they take communion together on Easter Sunday in the Holy Trinity Church in York. Hey. And in their view, they are officially married. Yes. Though not by view. the laws right. of, the, of the land at the time. Right. And also, she, uh, she goes out and she's, she, she's making business. She opens a coal mine. Oh boy! Um, wow. Much to the to the men in Halifax, this was uh, terrible for the woman to open a coal mine. They burned her in effigy because of this. Why? Uh, I d- she opened a coal she mine. She opened a coal then. mine. Yeah, but I mean, what I kind mean, of woman opens a coal mine? So it was just Back because, then. just it because was, she was just a woman. because yeah, she was this, a woman. Right, right, right. This is our hole in the ground. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> our job is to dig. <laughs> Never-ending tunnels beneath the earth for rock we can burn. <laughs> yes. It's a man's job. Yes. Owned by a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah. There's a lot of logic. A lot of logic. And so she's using her and Anne travel a lot. And, you know, they don't get along great, but, you know, there's a, there's a partnership there. But they're traveling a lot, and they, they travel to, to Western Europe, they travel to Eastern Europe, and in 1840, they're traveling through Russia and uh, European Georgia, and uh, Anne contracts a, a fever in the Caucasus uh, Mountains in huh. Georgia, what is now Georgia, yeah. and uh, she dies. And Shit. Anne Walker, uh, uh, she embalms her, uh, Anne Lister, and it takes seven months, and they drag the body back home and bury it. Mm-hmm. And Ann Walker takes over Shibden Hall as part of the uh, the the marriage uh, deal they had, which everybody is going along with. Yes. Well, then the the one another amazing thing about back then is if you have a relative that you don't like, you conspire with a doctor to rule them insane, and you drag them off to the insane asylum, <sighs> and then you take their money. Right. Very good. Yes. Which. Ann Walker clearly was... Ann Walker was not insane, but no. her, one of her relatives conspired with a doctor. To say they she dragged was. her to insane asylum, they take her money, but that leaves Shibden Hall back to the Listers. Right. And in the late 1800s, Charles Lister, descendant of uh, the family of Anne, he discovers her diaries, her prolific diaries, and he reads through them, and he's able to decipher the code. And he sees explicitly... or. What she has written, the explicit nature where she has detailed all of her relationships uh, to the finger, if you will. Ah, uh, uh, digital penetration. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Charles is a closeted homosexual himself. Ah, the plot thickens. And so he he's like, I can't release these. So his partner says, burn, burn them, burn them. And Listen, he says, no, no, how no. How do you think a male lister survived without, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's goblin cock. Uh-huh. <laughs> how else, John? <laughs> these hetero listers yeah. don't live? Yeah. Come on. No. Haven't you been listening? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. He didn't, he didn't go swimming in water. <laughs> And so he hides these away, and then the, years later, uh, years, decades later, they're, they're, they're brought out again, and thanks to the work of Dorothy Thompson, Patricia Hughes in the late 1980s, they're fully deciphered, and they publish the, some of the diaries, and then uh, Helena White Whitbread, who is also from Halifax, she would publish everything. Now, if I may interrupt. You may. Um, we 
just kind of went over a bunch of stuff that I, I feel like in the interim, did Charles mm-hmm. not try to clear the reputation of Anne as a as an insane person? Oh, no. I mean, she wasn't part of the listers, so who cares? Right. And plus, she was just another paramour of, yes. of his, his, his so naughty So what aunt. was the point of, of deciphering and publishing or making public these diaries? Well, <sighs> that there were lesbians. That right. existed. The, that existed before the term lesbian ever existed. Uh, right. The term lesbian wasn't wasn't first written down until the late eighteen hundreds. Right. Yeah, and then like the thing is like in in like the royal family, especially there's a, a, a great deal of homosexuality and, and what? Uh, yeah, I mean uh, I mean tons of homosexuality and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it seemed like it was like, you know, oh these noble families we're always kind of told, you know, all the way up to, to Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde was, uh, you know, obvious homosexual to almost everybody, but he only really was talking to the, the higher classes that didn't care about that thing because they already knew yeah. tons of people that were homosexuals, and, and they were like, well, that's fine for us. Yeah, uh, We know that the common people are, uh, you know, hard bigots, but we know that we control everything, and so right. for us to be homosexual is completely fine. Yes. Um, but... Also, maybe on the the turn of a dime, it can be turned against you. If absolutely, it, I mean that could. I mean back then, that could have been cause for dragging someone to the insane asylum. If somebody had an agenda, you would be like, "Well, you know, they're they're homosexual," and people would be like, "What? Well, it and was you, a sin." Yeah, yeah, you could lead it against them. Yeah, but it could like what could, if you were a popular person? An open secret is perfectly fine. Yeah, the minute you're unpopular, they use it against you. Yeah, so. So uh, the the reality of a life of a lesbian woman from the early 1700s has, is now public. Mm. And all of these encrypted parts are now unencrypted. Yes. And you see her talk about what would be a very normal life these days. Supping but back on, then. Supping on gash. And so <laughs> they, they notice, well, they do that. They notice some things in her diaries. There would be parts where she would... On certain days, she would put little crosses on the days. Ah. And that, a la mall rats. Uh-huh. Smiley face with eyebrows uh-huh. means I had an orgasm. Exactly. You remember yeah, the movie? Exactly. Do, yes. Very good. And they discovered in these passes, uh, parts that uh, the word kisses meant orgasms. Ah. Much like the French word baiser, which can mean fuck and can yeah. mean kiss. Huh. Uh, I faked three kisses today. <laughs> well, so, so for example, menstruation is mentioned as a reason to not kiss. Uh-huh. But she also writes, two good kisses at once last night and three this morning after eight. Good yeah. lord. Two at once. Three or four all at once last night and one more a good one at four this morning. Mm. Jesus. And so then they, they decipher also the... Well, the mo- there were moments so that when the townspeople were heckling her, one time the townsperson yelled, uh, uh, one of them is like a man, does your cock stand straight? Which is how apparently you would heckle back then. No, but my butt clit does. <laughs> <laughs> so one of her, uh, 1821, she writes that she burned, uh, some man was in love with her and he wrote her letters and she wrote, writes that she burned them all. It's 1821. Mm. Uh, she's about 30 years old at this point. She writes, this is encrypted, I love and only love the fairer sex and thus be loved by them and turn my heart revolts from any other love than theirs. Mm. It's very Preach. nice. Preach, lady. Uh, 
1823, could not sleep last night, dozing, hot and disturbed, a violent longing for a female companion came over me. Never remember feeling so painfully before. It was absolute pain to me. Later that year with a woman, she writes, in the midst of all this, we drew close together, made love, and had one of the most delightfully long, tender kisses we've ever had. Said she in the midst of it, oh, don't leave me yet. This renewed and redoubled my feelings. We slept in each other's arms. That's great. Damn. And they also revealed that she would pull a trick sometimes when she was meeting women to find out uh, whether they uh, would be interested yes. in women. So this is exactly what I was hoping to find she, out. She would say things like, uh, uh, this was what someone said to her, but she would also use things like this. Someone said to her, et vous Achilles? Are, and she are said, you Achilles? I laughed and said she made me blush, brought Miss Mack into my room, joked about her, joked with her about the question, said it was exceedingly well put. She said I was the only one in the house to whom she could have written it, because the only one who would have understood it. And it was Achilles in his allusion to when Achilles dressed as a girl in the court of Lycomedes in order to escape the oracle that he was that says he's about to die in the Battle of Troy. Mm. So she was so well read in all of these things, it was a trick of right. sorts to, to suss out who right. among you is aware of the the the, yes. the cross dressing or the right. the sapphism of 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 these written yes. works? Yes, yes, the 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 small amount of uh, queer references yes. to pull out at yeah. the time. <laughs> yes. One, are you well read? <laughs> Two, are you a lesbian? <laughs> like, I mean, that's a that's pretty high wire. Deep cut. Yeah, pretty pretty fucking high wire. And it's also revealed that uh, she had a venereal disease. Oh! Uh, she writes, in 1824, had a very good kiss last night. <laughs> Tib had not a very good one. I have been perpetually in horrors for fear of infecting Tib. I wonder whether the, the discharge is at all venereal or not. Oh. Because uh, Maybe she, was, she just squirted her. Well, she was sleeping with uh, Mariana one night. And then much later, she contracted the thing Mariana had, which they believe came from Mariana's husband, who was uh, known to tell her that he was cheating on her. Oh, yeah, filthy he was man. carousing with hookers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, a and homosexuals. <laughs> a, fun, a fun thing from 1825. Mariana put me on a new watch ribband and then cut the hair from her own queer. Queer was a, use, a slang she used for vagina. Yeah, mm. me too. <laughs> Sometimes she would say we, we touched queers. Oh. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, <laughs> put a new watch ribbon and then cut the hair from her own queer, and I that of mine, which she, pu which, which she put each into its own little lockets. We got at Bright's this morning, 12 shillings each. For us <laughs> they, always, they, they made pube necklaces? For us always to wear under our clothes in mutual remembrance. We, we both of us kissed each bit of hair before Ugh. it was put in the locket. Gross. What a testament to uh, hetero male sexuality. The <laughs> vagina was called a queer. <laughs> sort of a queer business is this. Uh, I read this woman's poor diary. It seems to be something of a clitoris. <laughs> they, would, they would cut off strands of each other's pubis and wear it around their neck like some sort of queer, queer <laughs> memento. <laughs> I mean, how queer is that? Jasper, please, return to the filleting me, please. The whole thing is entirely strange, I'm afraid. And she writes in some of the cryptic uh, writing that the, one of the reasons she didn't like Isabel, uh, Isabella that much is because she drank too much and she didn't find her very attractive. Oh. Uh, and she also writes when she was with Ann Walker, she, they talked about uh, dildos, and she meant, she says, I mentioned the girl uh -huh. at school in Dublin that had been obliged to have surgical aid to extract the thing. 
which oh. was a danger back then, much like uh, 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 gay men before, you know, when they had to hide their sexuality, mm-hmm. inserting things uh, uh, privately and having to go to the emergency room for it. Right. You know, it, when you know when it's not legal, you do terrible things to sure uh, to to do it. Yeah. This stuff got stuck up there. Yeah. Uh, she talks about when uh, the first one of the first times she was with Ann Walker, who had 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 previously uh, been married. She talks about how she uh, broke her hymen, huh. and uh, she said, uh, uh, "I think it was more intact uh, and virgin than I had latterly surmised." And she said uh, she was very tender there, and she inserted a right middle finger. Hmm. But uh, Ann Walker whispered to me how gentle and kind I was to her, and faintly said she loved me. Or else, how can you think and said, she uh, and said uh, and said she, I should let you do as you do. Wow, very nice. Have at it. It's consent. Uh, but Ann Walker was also like, uh, uh, would it be worse with a man? And wouldn't would it wouldn't it be better? And and Ann Lister writes, fancying I had a penis and was intriguing with her in the downstairs water closet at the Langton before breakfast, to which she had made no 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 objection. But she also writes. Uh, 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 she did. She did not think she would have suffered so much if uh, she was really married. It would be different. Would be easier. Oh, oh! I thought to myself. I see how it is. My difficulty in getting her on Monday night and my being able to do so little was not that she was expected or relished. I combated her idea that she would suffer less with a man. Explained why. I thought her mistaken thinking she would bear a man more easily than me. And uh, she explained the sizes of men by saying how Caesar was a billiber. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. Believer as big as two books. Hmm. He had a two-book cock? I guess so. Yeah. And then she wrote, mentioned, Multi-volume. mentioned some women taking even an ass and the woman in Paris with a dog to be seen for 10 francs. Donkey shows? In Paris for 10 francs. Whoa. And so as much as it's a, 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 told, a, tale, of, it's a tale of lesbian love, it's also very revealing about the terrible things you can see in France for 10 francs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, I mean... And the, the steel. I mean, I guess. Ten francs? Terrible. I mean. That's each his own. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, the beholder, I An suppose. ass or a dog? Yeah. I mean, what else it's, you it's want? It's a big night. It's, a, it's Yeah, it is a very big nine. Big nine? Big night! <laughs> it's, it's a canine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a book. <laughs> and so, uh, there's an insane amount of of detail in all of these, and I've just touched on some of the ones I could find. A lot of right, but it, 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 some of this stuff is incredible. Like some of these books are not available because they're just not republished, and it's it's insane to me that the realities of human experience is not more more published. But I'm just going to leave. Uh, this is a, a, a the second to last thing I want to say is this is one of my favorite things. She talks about how uh, she was uh, making Mariana kiss one night. And uh, Mariana often murmurs, oh, how delicious, at the very moment. Oh. Kind of sweet and very dumb and an old. Oh, how delicious, yes. So delicious when I'm fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the moment is presumably the moment. The The fact that she can say anything while she's kissing... Uh, <laughs> it's great. Sometimes it's just eye crossing and yeah. oh yeah. Oh, I recite the alphabet. Speak for yourself. Uh, Declaration uh, of Independence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last thing, and this is uh, 
good news in 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 a, a, a way. Uh, July twenty fourth of, of two thousand eighteen, a blue plaque with a rainbow edging and wording "Gender Non-Conforming Entrepreneur" celebrated uh, marital commitment without legal recognition to Ann Walker in this church. Easter eighteen thirty four was put a plaque in England was put at the Holy Trinity Church in York to honor uh, Ann Lister and Ann Walker. And then the wording was criticized because they didn't use the word lesbian, so they said they would change it to lesbian instead of gender non-conforming. So, uh-huh. well, I, I guess I have a feeling like was... in six months they're going to have to change it to gender non-conforming because lesbian is too derogatory. Well, I mean, I, I just think it's—I mean, I—I I, I mean, I, I don't know if she was—was was she both? I don't—I don't really know enough, I suppose. Yeah. Well, to... it, the term again, the term lesbian was not a term then, right? right, right when right. they were alive, she was a queer with a queer. Yes, yes. Well, sort of. Playing with a queer as a mystery box. I don't understand. It's a puzzle box, as it were. So <laughs> it's a little Hellraiser cube. And I think it's it's a it's a story of eccentricity that is actually not eccentric, except for the time it was in. Yes, right, times right. times are eccentric. Yeah, but I mean those those noble positions were really where. Eccentricity thrives. Yes. Because you're able to. And yes, also absolutely. were made acceptable. I mean, you And know. you also have record of it, whereas, you know, your your everyday grunt is not... Prob- one, probably can't read or write. Two, can't afford paper or ink. Three, socially, it's, it is not afforded the luxury of being able to kind of let their freak flag fly. Yeah, and I, I mean, socially, I mean, the, there's the old story of the ladies of Langolin. Who uh, this? Uh, uh, maybe they weren't lesbians, but these two women uh-huh. who who uh, separated kind of from society and lived in Langolin on their own, and they were kind of famous worldwide. All of these poets would go and visit them, and writers would visit them and see these two uh, quote unquote eccentric women just uh-huh. living together as women. Yes, and uh, Stephen King's The Langoliers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. But it, you know, it also it's kind of insane to me that. Uh, I've never heard this story. Like, yeah, this is I've never. It, HBO and BBC are coming out with a, 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 docu, a, a documentary type thing about it in 2019. Yeah, huh. really. Um, but in in all of history, uh, you wouldn't know lesbians existed until yeah. uh, 1960 or something. Yeah, I mean these these uh, you know positions of nobility and stuff like that. Like I said, it were you know they were. You were protected by the nobility, but the minute somebody has an agenda, it's, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, entirely uh, fragile. So, you know, in the case of, um, like, Oscar Wilde, for instance, he was doing all of these plays that were about, you know, high society and, and making fun of things. And, you know, being the clever queer guy on the scene was very, there had you had a lot of uh, currency there. Yeah. And then the minute somebody was just like... Um, Oh, you're being a little bit too socially politically critical. We're gonna t- we're gonna now we're going to try you for the crime of homosexuality, which everybody in the upper you know uh, uh, crust knows is a fact. Yeah, and it's not just mm-hmm. a fact with you; it's a fact with uh, their relatives and friends, yeah, half and of them, multiple people. Yeah, uh, the yeah, tons of them. So, you know, when when Oscar Wilde went on trial for homosexuality, he was uh, persecuted by Edward Carson, who also uh, led the Ulster Volunteer Force in Northern Ireland, which was the first uh, Protestant, uh, all these Irish savages of pure maniacs. Yeah. You, know, you have to leave this to the British, uh, <laughs> Ulster men. And, uh, and so he was the one that incited uh, the beginning of um, kind of 
sort of like the Irish KKK. Right. Where you you got to keep these people down, and we're yeah. the boss, and you know, no Catholics, all that. But he was also the prosecutor of Oscar Wilde for the crime of homosexuality. And when Oscar Wilde was on the stand, um, Edward Carson is, is cross-examining him, and this is what undid Oscar Wilde was basically him lampooning the entire trial and, and the idea of, of this is preposterous. Completely preposterous. Yeah. He was like, um, he was shown a picture of many. He's like, I have reports that you, you were kissing this man. You, 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 did you kiss this man? And he was like, heavens no, he was terribly ugly. <laughs> and the, 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 the court is roaring with laughter. Yeah. But he's undone by, he's saying, he's like, are you saying if he wasn't ugly, you would have kissed him? Right, exactly. And he's like, obviously, that's the punchline, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> Thank you for explaining the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was what convicted him. Yeah. And then Oscar Wilde goes to jail. He creates the Ballad of Reading Jail, this whole yeah. thing about the misery of men, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, people oppressed, you know, from the circumstances, somebody going to, to the, the gallows to be hung and everybody in the, in the prison mourning him. And there's this whole dichotomy between his work where he was like, you know, a, like a, a kind of puffy upper crust, uh, making fun of society. A gold Vidal type yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And then it's just like hard human emotion yeah. and life and death. And, you know, you know, this the idea of a prison is a crime. Yeah. You know, just totally tearing that down in, um, you know, a, a, a century earlier than, you know, now we... we, we we just accept prisons, and he's just going. Listen, the whole idea of a prison <laughs> to be to be the person yeah. that puts somebody behind. But like you know, there's the 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 great line is um, this too I know, and why is it were if each could know the same? Every prison that man builds is built with bricks of shame mm. and bound with bars, lest Christ should see how men his brothers maim. Mm. It's absolutely devastating. Yeah, and it's the whole the whole thing is leading up to somebody else being executed, and him just watching it happen and he's like uh you know the the warders with their shoes of felt crept by each padlocked door they knelt and saw with eyes of awe gray figures on the floor and wondered why men knelt to pray who never prayed before and he's just like he's just describing the prison atmosphere of this some schmo that's gonna get fucking hung yeah and he goes into the whole thing of them burying the bodies with lie and yeah. the entire experience, you know. And meanwhile, he's in prison. His boyfriend's leaving. He's like, I'm going to fuck everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some guy that's still high society. Yeah. And he's just like devastated, alone in prison. Completely transformational like thing that still lives in his, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, like it, it just it totally takes everything he was brilliant at and just completely changes the scene. Yeah. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's Redirects the, that energy, like oh well, you, I used to be the happy-go-lucky effeminate guy, but now you throw me behind these bars, and now I'm gonna start seeing some truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there was a thing to being like, you know, I thought I could have played nice my whole life. <laughs> I just think people in these positions at those times always thought, you know, this is gonna be legal in a couple of years. Everybody's right, gonna right. know this is ridiculous because. I know people that know it's ridiculous. Yeah. And they always think that the tides of change are sooner than they're going to come. Right. You know, but it's just... Uh, but, you know, also, this is who I am. 
Yeah. yeah what do you I, want to do about it? I have to be honest about who I am. Right, and I know that... that... And you're all okay with it, and the only reason you're not okay with it, with it is because you think other people aren't. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's, uh, who is the guy, uh, the effeminate uh, man who's always the center of the Hollywood Square? Oh, it's Paul Lind. Paul Lind. There's a story of Paul Lind. He's in like some bar in like fucking Milwaukee or some shit. All these bikers are in the bar and they're like, "What are you doing here, buddy? I'm gonna fuck it. You gotta gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you." So Paul Lind takes a bottle and smashes it on the counter and goes, "I'll fight every one of you. I'm crazier <laughs> than you." And I go, "All right, this guy's okay." Like, yeah, I heard he's a secret square. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, uh, I want to just share with you a couple of things that have, have been on my mind. It was... I'll suck your cocks, all you guys! <laughs> huh? Suck our cocks. Yeah! <laughs> Nothing puts you on the spot like, can you, can, come on, get it up. You're a tough guy, right? Get it up. Yeah. Come on, tough guy. Come on. What you got no In front of your friends, huh? You're a tough guy? <laughs> you, you didn't have any trouble last night. <laughs> you fucking chomping down all them limp biscuits. <laughs> Biscuits again? Ooh, Wookie Ooh, cookies. Boy. My Fisco. <laughs> I uh I, w- I was talking about this and I think I think maybe I I've talked to you about it before. Um there was you know, like there's some things about Korean culture that really, really fascinate me and you know, there's like the idea of of when people are like so into their race and like the Nazis were were like the mythology there was like oh the the German people the spirits come out of the Schwartz world the Black Forest and you know we're we're special because of that and in Korea it's this this mountain the volcano the mm. it's a, it's a crater lake mm. of Korea on the border with China uh-huh. and they also dispute those lands you know like oh, yeah, China's the, filling in with dirt right now probably yeah they're like China took too much of that after the war that yeah. was, that's all Korean stuff. Stuff, you know, um, it's where the Thetans come out of. <laughs> but the the gorillas against the Japanese were hiding out in those woods around the volcano that you know uh, 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 Kim Song came from. The original uh, Kim Il Sung. Yeah. Kim Il Sung came from. That was you know he like, he was he, birthed from a volcano, fully formed. Is he a Thetan? Yeah, and oh, he, doesn't, wow. he doesn't shit. But Kim Jong Il was rumored to be born in those forests around the volcanoes, and they were like, "No, he was born in the Soviet Union." It yeah, was like yeah, long hospital. after, and yeah, it's a big forest, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's a big part of their thing is Mount Paiktu or whatever, and um, <laughs> or whatever. And it's like you know, it's it, it's like it's just one of these things where it's like you're really saying we are God's special people because of this exploding mountain. Yes. Oh. As if there's none other. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. It was. That. It was. Um, there was, a, I think, a, a first, you know, millennium explosion that was one of the biggest in the world at the time. Nobody Great. was around. Nobody, to, nobody no, nobody shit. was really writing about it. They were running. <laughs> you know yeah, their eardrums were exploding. Yeah, nobody yeah. So to... fire and brimstone are raining. You know, and uh, unless you're that guy in, in uh, Vesuvius who's, who's just mas- who's nutting, masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> but like all of this stuff informs the Kim Jong Un, you know, uh, uh, Kim Jong Il, and Kim Il Sung, Kim Il Sung uh, legacy. Yeah. Ever since the revolution, it's you know, it's become just you can't distinguish sure. history from mythology in the North, and that is of course immensely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything being controlled yeah. as far as what you ingest. So Kim Jong-il, uh, you know, he had this in-law uh, that was uh, a married-in uncle to Kim Jong-un now yeah. that was executed. He was the highest-ranking person 
that was in the North Korean establishment that was part of, you know, Kim Jong-il dies and now you have to bring up the son. And then Kim Jong-un decides, this guy's got too much power. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the theory is, is that the uncle was trying to be like, listen, we cannot do shit if we do not become economic. Yeah. Like military alone is is just They're, they can't you can't compete. Yeah, yeah. I like I mean the the reason that I feel old is that I'm like oh, I I know what happens here. North Korea rattles the sabers and is like, "Ah, well, we're going to be nuclear." And then people give them aid in the hope that they talk. Right. And then they take the aid and like, thanks for the food later. And then, and then uh, when they run out of food, they start being like, we can still have nukes, but yeah. now they actually have nukes. You wait, know? wait, you mean what what just happened uh, over the last two years? Well, no, and I mean, then six years before that, and no, then Kim Jong Il, you know, and then that, the six that, years before that, that whole time, the whole thing was like, we can't fuck with North Korea because of China, for the most part. Right. That was the prevailing idea. Is like they're protected by China, we can't do it, but they're they're worrisome. So every time they like, kind of like. You know, I, it was just like one of those repeating news cycles, like the Middle East, where you're like, there's nothing new. This is just the same shit on yeah. and on and on. And um, so this uncle uh, was like, but he's married in. He's not blood. He's not blood. So he goes as high as he can, and he's kind of reprimanded a few times for exercising a little bit too much influence under Kim Jong-il, the father of the current premier. And um, he's he's, you know, but... He's not going anywhere. He's right. married to his sister. That's how it is. But in the transition of power from Kim Jong-il to Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un apparently was like, this guy has way too much power. And yeah. he's, he's overseen this transition, and that's made him more powerful than me because I'm the new guy. He's the old guy, and yeah. he needs to be gotten rid of. Apparently, he just wanted to open up more economically. But... Even that's threatening. Even that is threatening. Because if you decide, no, we're going to be a military power, this other guy is saying another thing. And don't forget, somebody at that level, a four-star general in that world, um, you know, he fulfilled jobs that only the supreme leader uh, was supposed to have. You know, but he was delegated to do these things. And well, maybe he just wanted a Roy Rogers and Kim Jong-un was like, well, it's going to McDonald's. <laughs> right, yeah. right, just... yeah. But, like, he, he, would, he would be seen, and this is very Trumpy. He would be seen at the, at the kind of, you know, inauguration of Kim Jong-un kind of half-heartedly clapping. Oh, that's a Like, the optics weren't great. Mm. And there were several things of him kind of, like, looking bored during Kim Jong-un's speeches. And that is the exact kind of thing. If Donald Trump had Kim Jong-un's power, he would be like, Yeah. Let's fucking kill this guy. This fucking guy was... Cl-. Well, he wasn't yeah. clapping per minute enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's basically what happened to this guy. So they say, you know, children, women from his family were all... You know, taken out, but nobody really knows because there's no news source. Here. Yeah. Um, and that is, of course, you know, a monstrosity. You know, around 2014, this all happened. Um, but his deputies were were executed uh, by apparently Kim Jong Un was present, yeah. and that's horrible. Yes. But. Ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. But. The original rumor about what happened to these guys, the, the, the deputies of his uncle and his uncle himself, the deputies were definitely executed before him, and he had to watch that happen. With Kim Jong-un there, like, what do you think? <laughs> and the original, the original story was they were torn apart by dogs. Ah, uh-huh, yes. And then the people were like, dogs. no, that's not true. <laughs> but what, 
Would the prevailing theory that's taken hold that is again not confirmed. But the medium is rumor. But the medium is rumor. Is people like my friend Chris that mm-hmm. submitted the Airbud story, he knows mm-hmm. that I love uh ridiculously horrible death because mm-hmm. it's so absurd. Emphasis on ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's it's borderline wily e. coyote shit. Sure, sure. He ran into a mountain that was painted like a tunnel. Right. So presumably these guys had a mountain behind them because of how they were executing these people, which was <laughs> firing anti-aircraft guns uh, at a guy uh, like 20 feet away. Yes, I could, I could see that as the real story. Anti-aircraft yeah. machine guns. Well, yeah, I mean, you got money to waste. So I know this is hard to describe for people why I enjoy this so much because <laughs> it is... Ima- Inconceivably evil. <laughs> Imagine a person being there one second. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And then, not even the shoes. And then, yeah, just like a pair of legs still standing because the force of anti—I mean, a thing that would bring down a Malaysian aircraft—is <laughs> now fired at a man just across the room. Yeah. And it would be like, boom. As that shell flies by you at. From 20 feet away, you probably go deaf. Yes, yes yeah. and you need to be worried about what is one mile behind this guy's torso yes, that is yes. still flying on top of the fucking shell. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you better have, like, you better be firing it against the volcano that these guys worship. Yeah. Have they interviewed because, the janitors? Right. Like, I mean, it's just worth, like, and this, the uncle is watching these two deputies get executed this way, and he's fainting. Is that it? I mean, it almost doesn't sound like an execution. <laughs> it's not an execution. But, I mean, can you imagine Kim Jong-un watching it and then looking at his uncle like... I was in Harvard business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's just so cartoony that, it, it to me, it becomes out of tragedy and just into complete cartoon insanity. Yeah, it's Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. It's... it's Kubrickian dark comedy shit. Yeah, it's it's totally insane. Line that up against that volcano back there and, and <laughs> yes. do bring out the artillery. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's the, the weird thing about what I want to show here is the 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 volcano is, you know, viewed by Korea as a whole as kind of, you know, their cultural mythology and like where their greatness comes from. And this idea of greatness from race to me is so laughable yeah. and my you know my dad sometimes he'd be like yeah that guy invented the fucking toaster he was irish and i'm like what about that guy that killed all those women and he's like yeah he was from shitty ireland yeah. <laughs> and i was i was talking about this richard park shout out to richard park uh, yeah. he listens to every episode of the show i love richard park he's one of my best friends richard park is great i love you richard park uh he's gonna be really uncomfortable hearing yeah. that <laughs> uh but I, uh, well, he's Korean, so he's great. Well, we were talking about how his 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 dad would would be talking about the Koreans are great, and I was like, yeah, my dad would be talking about Irish people are great. It's so fucking silly and and ridiculous to think that yeah, you had nothing yeah. to do with being Irish or yeah. Korean. It has nothing to do with you. You, you didn't you, you didn't do it. You didn't earn it. It's ridiculous. Hey, parents fucked there. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Move on. Right. <laughs> and so um, he was talking about yeah. He's like you know in South Korea you know he's like we didn't get. The whole bird flu thing, and we were like, "Well, yeah, we're Korean." Like, was like the th- the, right. the prevailing no, they thing. Had fans yeah. running. No, they had all the fucking. <laughs> oh, kim- the fans were they, off. They had all the kimchi. Oh, right, oh, right. So right, it right. was just like high garlic antibiotic thing. That's yeah. that's why they didn't get it. But also on on the ridiculous side of South Korea, I was going to talk about fan death. Yes, which is 
The, the idea they peddled apparently during a power, uh, you know, shortage, yeah. blackouts, et cetera, in the 70s in South Korea, they started peddling the idea. And this is like a lesson in controlling the population. Yeah. They would just be like, so, I mean, I'll read an actual news article because from South Korea, from South 70s. Korea in the 70s. And this was a propaganda push with the help of the media to basically make people afraid of fans and using air conditioning and power mm. after they were asleep. So it was like the the news stories would basically break down like this. They would just take a person that died, right? And they would report the death and they would write something that was exactly like this. A man reportedly died on Monday morning after sleeping with an electric fan running. <laughs> The 59-year-old victim, only, nine bu- only known by his surname Min, was found dead with the fan fixed directly at him. Oh, no. Uh, it was right on him. Uh, and now two. he's dead. And now he's dead. And well, you rep- do the rep- math. Reportedly dead. Reportedly. So the article <laughs> would also say there was no evidence the fan was responsible. But no, to read that which far. means the fan was responsible. Yeah, 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 but yeah. that's also classic par- fan. That's like paragraph six, probably. Yeah, that's, <laughs> below the, that's below the fold. No one's reading and that. And it's also people only remember like the last part of the sentence, and the last part of that sentence is the fan was responsible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was. It was just like you know. I mean, this is still a prevailing thing in fa- in Korea. Fans have a timer on them to go off. After you fall asleep. Oh, well, that just makes sense. It does. But, but it's also based on the medium being the medium rumor. Being yeah. rumor. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, Ben Franklin was big on air moving. You know? That was, yeah. He was always like, I don't get a cold if the air is moving. Well, yeah, because yeah. he was fucking buck naked, too, and he wanted all that fucking heat on his grundle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> so he could sleep on top of all those dead kids underneath <laughs> his floorboards. Yeah, and all those French hookers. <laughs> So, so now you're making a case against fans, right? What do you do? They say that there's apparently evidence that it started in the 20s, 30s. In my opinion, I think it was totally Korean government media collaboration in creating a hype stereotype that mm. fans kill you. Yeah. Have you slept through the night with a fan on? Oh, every night. All the time. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Some people I know have tinnitus, and they, they're like, they hear ringing, so they have to have the fan. Right, on. right. There has to be, you know, that. So they couldn't decide what the, the various... But, co- but you know the reason I don't die when I leave the fan on? Why? Because I'm white. Well, well, that's huge. That's a huge... <laughs> and you're the best man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so they couldn't decide what the cause of death was from fan, right? So they had three. <laughs> cause of death, fan. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can't just say it's the fan. No, it'd be chopped. You know what I mean? Yeah, you'd be chopped to death. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a bond death. So they were like, okay, it's hyperthermia. Ooh. Hyper- Heat stress. It sounds like Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Which, again, is a way of chop death. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> air movement will increase sweat eva- evaporation, which cools the body, but in extreme heat, when the blown air is warmer than the body's temperature, it will increase the heat stress placed on the body, potentially sped- spread- speeding the onset of heat exhaustion and other detri- detrimental conditions. The EPA discourages people from using fans in closed rooms without ventilation. Of course every room is mm. ventilated, though. Right? Well, not the, not the basements. So, 
And then the other, what's the other reason they come up with? Hypothermia. Oh, you can't right? have that. You burn to death and now you're frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Your skin's gone. <laughs> Hypothermia <laughs> is abnormally low body temperature caused by inadequate thermoregulation. As the metabolism slows down at night, one becomes more sensitive to temperature and thus supposedly more prone to hypothermia. People who believe this theory think a fan operating in a closed room all night can lower temperature to the point of causing hypothermia. Oof. Bullshit. I love it. Number three. Asphyxiation. Ah, oh, you can't have that. <laughs> the more air you get, the, the less you have, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's I've... alleged that fans may cause asphyxiation by oxygen displacement and carbon dioxide intoxication in the process of human respiration. Inhaled fresh air is exhaled with a lower concentration of oxygen gas and higher concentration of carbon dioxide gas, causing a gradual reduction of O2 and buildup of CO2 in a completely unventilated room. Ugh. Again... These are not labs. These are not completely unventilated. Yeah. Nobody's doing that. Well, when I sleep, I don't have the fan pointing at me because I don't want to bro- blow the air I'm breathing out back in. Right. And I think that, you know, you, you can't, right. you well, can't that, have that. It, it, that's how you fix it. That's how it works. It yeah. goes right back it in. It goes right back in. Yeah, yeah. Right. But this, like, all of these things come from old superstitions that people would believe. Yeah. And, like, the idea of... A fan, when you first saw a fan, you'd be like, this can't be right. And, like, I, my, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> it's still spinning. It's, it's so good. Like, I, you know, but, and then people would be like, <laughs> you know, people were, like, afraid of it. Like, yeah. oh, I walked into Wi-Fi. I got cancer, you know? Like, they were, like, they were seriously, like, I think I walked, I think I walked into a thicket of Wi-Fi. You know? It's too much air. Yeah, like it was I barbed got, wire. Tinnitus. What's the password? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it would be like that shit, and people, pe- like people would come up with all types of shit. They'd be like, plants, you know, uh, breathe, like you know, CO2. So people would believe if you're in a room with plants, the plants will kill you. Oh, you got to kill those plants. You know, it's like no, the plants are giving you oxygen. You fucking idiot. Oh my god. Like, no, the all- plants will strangle you. <laughs> yeah. All, all of classic. All, all Batman. of these things come from these old superstitions, and then they were just played upon yeah. by the media to get to people, but. You know, when, like, again, when fans first came around, people would be, like, dead in front of it, like, like as close as I am to this microphone, they'd be like, my face is numb. <laughs> I'm all chopped up. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, no, you idiot. It's just, it's just a, you, your face it's is a, a little, fan. It's a fan. Yeah. You're a little cool, you know? <laughs> Don't spontaneously not bust on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, like, it's so fascinating to me. And, like, I want to have a disclaimer because, like, anytime we talk about foreign phenomenon, I want to be like, I'm not saying all Koreans are crazy or anything. No, like, no, no. But just, like, north and south, how these rumors and superstitions yeah. and yeah. everything throughout the world, like, takes hold. And it can become so part of what everybody believes in oh, regular life. That and it, it becomes I mean, that's a, just like shorthand for religion. Right, but, you sure, know sure. I mean? but, but also like, you know, a lot of buildings not having a 13th floor. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, Which they well, do. Yeah, the, <laughs> well, they're all there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can count from the outside. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> like, what? Huh? <laughs> hey, man. I work on the 14th floor. Now you're down. <laughs> I counted. Only in America is that dangerous. Yeah, but anyway, I just wanted to share those couple of things. Little, That's great. A little potpourri of very uh, of, of uh, various uh, things in Korea, north and south, that are equally just insane. You know, quite. And it is like you know the closed off like you know military thing is obviously far more dangerous and yes. and horrible and crippling. But it is amazing how people can take mythology and just expand on it in any kind of Western sure. or otherwise 
civilization. Sure. Well, I mean, that's why America is the greatest country that's ever existed on the face yeah, of the earth. Yeah, of course. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. founding fathers were... <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, and Jesus was in, from Missouri or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's still he built. white. Yeah, yeah, Jesus was a Christian. Yeah, white as hell, 40 wives. Hey, stay inside the whole time. He's, like, <laughs> he's an indoor kid. He's an indoor kid. <laughs> Peanut allergies all night. <laughs> he was tacked up in the rec room. <laughs> he was chopped up in the rec room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I I think that's it for us. That's good. And Matt, yeah. you did a fantastic, fantastic profile. Lovely. I love you guys. Good night. I'm John Fahey. I am Aaron Peter. Matt Rousseau. Good night, guys.